What does it mean for you to be all in? What does it mean for you to be all in? Uh, about two years ago, my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, and, and someone came up with a gift idea. I'm not sure if it was my wife or my sister-in-law or someone. Uh, and so I had the privilege of contacting my other siblings and say, are you all in or not? Which basically meant, are they going to pony up and give me some money for this thing is really what it boiled down to. Um, and they all agreed to. Uh, a few months ago, one of the guys in our small group said, hey, guys, I could use your help with moving a family member. Can you help out with that? And, and I said, well, I think I can. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be able to, but check with me as it gets a little closer. And as it got a little closer, he, he kept checking with me. Are you available? Are you available? And, and it got close to the deadline, and I had to say, oh, unfortunately, I have a commitment, so I'm out. I'm not in. I'm not in on that one. I was out. Um, a couple years ago, Christine and I had the opportunity as part of celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary to take a trip to the beautiful islands in Hawaii. And one of the places we visited was on the, the southernmost tip of the big island of Hawaii. And that's considered the southernmost tip, not in the continental United States, but of the United States. And there's these beautiful, majestic cliffs and, and the ocean crashing against them. And as we got to this one spot, we were able to see the, the waves had calmed down enough that people were jumping off of the cliffs. And it was a pretty cool thing. And I had done some cliff jumping years ago when I was in college. And I, so I said to the other guys, and they said, guys, are you going to go and do this? And one of the guys like, no, 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 I'm out. Another, another one of the guys said, yeah, I'm in. I'll do it with you. So we get over to the edge of the cliff, and I take off my flip-flops and shirt and hand my glass to my wife and didn't tell my friend that I was just going to take off and run and jump, which is what I did. And I was all in. There was no going back at that moment in time. And unfortunately, my native guttural yell along with the vertical pull of my body that's caused me to land flat in the water instead of the nice pike position that you're seeing on the screen there um, caused him to change his mind and no longer be all in. And so I just got bragging rights. That's all I got for as long as we live. But he had to make a decision. In one minute he was in, but when it came to the, the moment of decision, he was not in. He was out. Um, so I don't know if you can think of a situation in your life recently where someone has said to you, are you in? Are you in? And it may be as something as simple as, hey, we're going to a game and, and do you want to go with us? And are you in? Are you going to go to the game with us? Um, maybe it was a present, as I mentioned. Maybe it was something a little bigger. Maybe it was a business venture. And someone said, hey, I'm going to start this business. And um, do you want to go in with me on this? And basically they're saying, do you want to put some money into this? That's really what they're asking. But they're asking for a little bit more. And you thought about it and you realize, man, if I go in, wow, what's the risk? Wow, what if it doesn't go well? What would I lose? What would be the cost? What would, what would happen if this doesn't go well? Maybe you're in a relationship and, and that relationship, you're kind of wondering where things are and, and, and you're all in in the relationship, but you're not sure if the other person is all in. And, and maybe you've had one of those awkward conversations where you say like, can we talk about where we're at? I'm kind of all in. Are you all in or not? And you find out, are they all in or not? You know, Jesus talks about being all in a lot. I mean, when you think about some of the words that Jesus said, he, he said things like this. He said to the rich young ruler, he said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. That's what being all in meant for that guy. For others, he said, take up your cross and, and follow me. For others, he said, die to yourself. That's what all in meant. And so Jesus used very, very graphic metaphors to talk about being all in. 
And so this morning, I want to wrap up a series that I actually began back in January. Like, John, what happened? It took you that long to finish it? Um, but it, it actually did. Um, but we, uh, this got put on hold because of the blizzard of 2016. And it's the last of our series entitled Next Steps. And we did a series back in January talking about the steps that we encourage people here to take at CCC to help them deepen and grow in their faith. And I just want to review them quickly for you. The first step is following Jesus. And that's what Jesus invited individuals to do all throughout the Gospels. He says, follow me, follow me, follow me. He didn't say you had to sign up for everything or didn't have to get all your theology right. He said, you just follow me. And for some of the individuals, following Jesus meant they left other things behind. And so following Jesus is the first thing that we challenge you to say, is that a step that I have taken? that I'm committed to follow Jesus. The next step was not vertical to Jesus, but more relational. And that's becoming a part of a small group, a relational community. And saying, I'm going to be connected to other people and be a part of their lives and cultivate relationships. Another step we talked about is finding your place to serve. We talked about the fact that God has uniquely gifted each person. And he's brought each person here. And he says, there's a place for you to use your gifts and abilities in such a way that you feel fully alive and you have this sense that this is what I was made to do. And that's a step we want to encourage you to take and keep exploring. Another step that we're going to celebrate next week is the step of baptism. Baptism is the step in which you go public with your faith, in which you say, I have committed my life to follow Jesus and I've given my life to him and I want all of my family and friends to know. And I hope you're able to be with us next Sunday because we're going to celebrate a number of individuals in both services who are going public with their faith. And the last step that we want to talk about is this step of being all in, and that's the step of membership. Membership. Now, if this is your first time here at CCC, you're thinking, oh man, what, what are they going to try to get me to do? You know, what are they going to sell me? What are they going to get me to try to sign up for? We don't have Kool-Aid in the lobby for everybody going out, I promise you. You know, we're not going to try to get you into some pyramid marketing scheme or go buy a generator and build a bunker, none of that stuff, you know. Um, but you may be wondering, what is this all about? What is this all about? And this morning, I want you to walk away thinking about two words, two words. And the first word is consume. Consume. What do you do when you consume something? You take it in, right? You consume a drink. You consume a meal. You take something in for whose benefit? Yours. What's a consumer? A consumer is something that buys and purchases things for what? For their benefit. And so they do market research on what the consumer wants because they want to make sure the consumers are going to buy the things that they're offering. And so the first word I want you to think about is consumer or to consume. The second word is commitment, commitment. And just like consume is all about myself, it's all things for me. When I commit to something, I'm usually committing to something for the benefit of someone else. I have some residual benefit, but it's primarily the benefit of someone else. When I commit myself to marry someone and I'm committed in marriage, it's for their benefit. When I commit myself to be a part of a team, it's to benefit the whole team. When I commit myself to play on a band, it's so that for the benefit of everyone. And so consume is all about me. Commit is for the benefit of others. And I want you to think about those two words as we talk about this subject this morning. You know, if you have been here for a period of time and you've been, you've kind of decided CCC is going to be your church, I hope that this message this morning is something that you really seriously consider. Um, 
this is not an easy subject to talk about because we have so much distortion about membership, and I hope I can clarify some of that for you this morning. Um, you know, when Jesus talked about the church the very first time, it was in the book of Matthew. He was with his disciples, and he said this in Matthew sixteen eighteen. He said, I tell you that you are Peter. He's talking to Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That word church is the Greek word ekklesia, which means a gathering or an assembly. They knew that word, assembly or gathering. But this word church, the way the translators wrote it, they, that was new to the followers of Jesus. And what was that going to mean? And how was it going to grow? And what was it all going to be about? I mean, they knew they were Jews by birth. And that gave them kind of this distinct nationality, this distinct sense of, of Jewish pride. And, and all, to be a Jew, you had to be born a Jew. You could certainly become a Jew, a little bit easier for women than men. Men had to go through a very uncomfortable surgery. But, uh, you, know, you know, that was the only way that that could happen, and, or you were born a Jew. And so the, for the Jews, they knew what that was. They knew what it was like to be a Roman, to be a part of the Roman Empire, to have a ruler of, of Caesar and to have someone in power that would dictate what you would, how you would live and, or give you freedom to live as you would. But this whole idea of the church, something new, something different, what was it all about? I don't think the disciples really had a clue. All they knew about was following Jesus. That's all they knew about. And, um, but then Jesus died, and they wondered, did this all come to an end? Was it all a sham? Only for three days later for him to rise from the dead. And then over the next, in the, shortly after that, at this event called Pentecost, which happened after Passover, when thousands of Jews came back to Jerusalem to celebrate this annual feast. And as they came back to Jerusalem, the Bible says that God's Spirit came on, on the disciples and some of their followers, and that Peter and others were able to go out and say to these thousands of people, that guy named Jesus, you killed him. He was the Messiah. He was the answer. Will you follow him today? Several thousand people said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And they were baptized. And then a little bit later, as persecution started to come, as the religious leaders started to feel their, their stranglehold being pried out of their hands, they said, we've got to regain control. And so they brought persecution. And the result of that persecution was thousands more people chose to follow Jesus. And so this little town of Jerusalem that likely could have held maybe a thousand people was now pushed to their limits of eight, 10, 12, likely 12,000 people who were all there celebrating this incredible experience of following Jesus. And God decided it was time to spread them out in the world. And so persecution increased. And they began to spread out all over the known world as they went back to their homes and villages and communities. And as they went back there, they would gather with other individuals that believed what they did about this man, Jesus. And, and they didn't know much about him. They just knew that he was the way. He was the answer. And that's what they were called. They were called followers of the way. And some people called him little Christ. Because they were imitating Jesus. That's all they knew in those days. And Paul started to write letters to these little communities about the church and what it was about and how it was supposed to operate and how they would relate and how they would function and what their calling and mission was. And one of the letters, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes a couple of these verses um, beginning 
in verse 12. He says this, Just as one body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Earlier in the, in the book of Ephesians, he had said Christ was the head of the church. Kind of uses it now. He said the church is like a body, and Christ is the head, which gives direction and guidance. But then he said there's also members, and there's all different members, and they're all part of one body. And he says they're all important parts of the body. In verse 21, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have any need for you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. These parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable. He said every part of the body is important. Every part of the body, just like every part of our physical body, every part of our spiritual body called the church. But something was different in the first century than now as it relates to the church. Because in the first century, when you chose to follow Jesus, you simultaneously became part of a local body. You say, what do you mean, John? It's a little bit like what happens in the Muslim world today. In the Muslim world today, if someone chooses to follow Jesus, they become part of a new community. They are rejected by their family. They are viewed as dead. They can never go back. And there's only one place to go, and that's their church. Their church. So in the first century, following Jesus automatically made you a member of a local church of Christ's body. There was no class you had to take, no application you had to fill out, <clears throat> no form you had to complete, none, none of that, none of that. You just, it happened simultaneously when you chose to follow Jesus in the first century. Paul goes on to say in verse 27, he says this, Now you are a body, uh, the body of Christ and each of you is a part a member of it, a member of it. There's no place in the New Testament that says that you have, that says, go become a member of a local church. It says, love one another. It says, serve one another. It says, care for one another. It says, admonish one another. You say, why didn't Paul say that in the first century? Because it happened simultaneously. It happened simultaneously. And so this idea of membership, this idea of becoming a part of something, something bigger than yourself, got adopted by much of our culture. <clears throat> and so people became members of a club, members of a team, members of an organization, members of fill-in-the-blank. I tried to sit down and think of all the things that I was member, a member of, and, and I made a few, I wrote down a list of a few things, and then I was getting something from my wife, and I, she told me to pull out her, something out of her purse, and I pulled it out, and there's like, I don't know, dozens of cards. And I realized, oh my goodness, we're members of way more things than I can even keep track of or figure out. You know? And it's just become something that's a part of our culture. And so what our culture has done is our culture has slowly moved away from membership being something that you're committed to for someone else to being something that you consume for your own benefit. Years ago, there was a credit card that said membership has its privileges. Anybody remember what credit card that was? American Express, right? We heard it over and over and over again. It's no longer about what you're committed to. It's about what you get, what you benefit. So why do you become a member of Costco? Other than the fact that you can buy way more stuff than you need in a, you know, in larger bulk than you ever would at any other time in your life, you know. Um, why? Because it'll save you a little bit of money, right? I asked my wife, I said, why do we have a bill for this so-and-so company? And she said, well, the only way you can get those great deals is if you join, if you're a part of that. That's the only way you can get the great deals. And so we do it because what? There's a benefit to me. 
Why do you join the gym or the rec? Because they have equipment that you don't have, and it's a benefit to what? To you. Why do you join Weight Watchers or other groups? It's because of what? It's a benefit to you. And so in our culture, we've had this shift from membership not being about what I'm committed to, being other people, to what I consume, to what is for me. And so as we start to talk about this subject of membership, how do we talk about it in the church? Well, the way we started to shift our thinking about it to help us understand what it's about is to say that being a member of a church is like being a partner. It's like being a partner. When someone says, are you in? You either decide yes or no. And if you decide you're in, it doesn't mean you just kind of show up when you want, does it? No. Someone says, hey, we're going to purchase this cabin in the woods or this beach house, and we want to split the cost up between all the families. Are you in? And you're like, yeah, I'll be in. Just call me whenever you need something. They're like, no, no, no. You got to write out a check, you know, and this, you got to write out a check every month, you know, and then when we need to do work on it, we're calling you and you got to show up and be there and work on it. You know, now do you get some benefits, some residual benefits? Yes, you do. But the commitment part, the front side part of all in means a lot of sacrifice on your part. And so when we talk about the idea of membership at CCC, The question is, not what will I get, but what will I give? What will I give? You know, this whole idea of a membership is one that we haven't talked a lot about here at CCC. And so as we started to dive into it and make some sense out of it and try to understand it, it's forced us to look at a lot of different things and try to say, what have we done in the past? What are we doing right now? What is membership all about at our church? And what we said over and over again is we want membership to be not about what I get, but what I give. Not about being a consumer, but about being committed. Now, are there some benefits when you commit to something? Are there some benefits? Yes, there are, and we'll talk about But that's not the motivation that drives me towards that decision. So in preparation for this message, I asked a few individuals, I said, Um, We sent out a survey. I said, if you are a member, tell me why you are. And if you're not, tell me why you're not. And I've got a lot of feedback about that. A lot of questions. And I want to try to answer some of those questions for you this morning. Um, I can't answer them all. Some will come out in our slice of life. So if you don't get our weekly email newsletter, I encourage you to sign up for that on the connection cards um, that you have. So one one of the reasons that someone said they weren't a membership is that I don't see any benefits in it for me. I don't see any benefits. And I was puzzled by that. Because no one must have told them that when you become a member, these seats right here in the front row, we actually put a nameplate on one of these seats for you, and you get to sit right here in the... Nobody told you guys this? Somehow this... I don't know what we... I got to do something about this memo and get this out. Nobody told you that when you become a member and, and our parking lot is full and we have the shuttle cars, you get actually a ride in a shuttle to the front door of the building because you park so far away. Nobody told you that that's one of the benefits of being a member? You know, then when we have a blizzard like we did before and we have to call, you get the privilege of coming here and helping us dig out, you know, and, and watch people drive their, for, their, their front end loaders around trying to dig out and clean. Nobody told you that? You know, that's one of the benefits. No. I mean, we talked about it earlier. This is a consumer mindset that says, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? 
You know, when you become a partner in something, you, you shake hands on it, right? You say, you stick that hand out, you say, we're in. I'm in. You shake hands. You probably sign some legal documents to protect yourself in case things go bad and things go south, right? Uh, you're contributing money. You have ownership. You're a part of that. And that's what membership or partnership is all about. Another thing that someone said is, um, there's no command in the New Testament about it. And, and I would agree with you. You're right. You're right. There's absolutely no place in the Bible that says that. Um, it's assumed that when you became a follower of Jesus, that you would become a member. I didn't have to convince my kids that when they were um, born and adopted into my family, that they, they assumed the last name Nicholas. I didn't have to convince them of that. It just happens. It just happens. When you're born into a family or adopted into a family, you take on that last name. That's who you are, whether they like it or not. And so just as it was in the first century, it's different in our culture today. And that's why we have had to change the way we think about that. Some people said, well, it's just a formality. It's just kind of a formality. I, I don't really need to bother with that stuff. You know, I, I give, I serve, I participate, I, I help out when, when things are needed. And, and I would say you do. And, and many of you are a part of the life of our church. You participate in the life of our church. But there's a difference between participating in the life of our church and being a member. It's a little bit like two couples who, um, they, uh, they live in the same home, they have a joint bank account, their, their names are on the titles of their properties, of their vehicles, they share custody of their children and likely their dog as well, you know, they enjoy all the benefits of, of, of intimacy with one another, and, but there's one difference, there's one difference. One couple is living together and one couple is married. So what makes those two couples different? What makes them different? Well, one couple decided to go down to the courthouse in Lancaster and get a little piece of paper that they had to go before an individual and witnesses. It's called a marriage license. And then they put a ring on one another's fingers and they said, we want everyone to know that we are all in. We don't want there to be any question, any doubt that we are all in. That's the difference between someone who participates versus someone who is committed. You say, John, I'm kind of a lone ranger. I, I don't really kind of do that, that church formal stuff. I just kind of like to do my own thing. And I would say to you that that is a mindset that's part of our Western culture and not a biblical mindset. You see, a biblical mindset is one that recognizes that you are a part of a faith community when you choose to follow Jesus. And becoming a member is simply stating what is already true of you. What is already true of you. So why do we have a formal membership here at CCC? Why do we have a formal membership? I want to give you a couple of reasons why. And then I want to talk about some of the residual benefits that do come from making the commitment to be a member here. Well, one of the first reasons that it's necessary is it helps our leaders lead the church. It helps our leaders lead the church. Hebrews 13, 17 is going to come up on the screen. It says this. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. Again, remember that the writer of Hebrews is writing to people who when they chose to follow Jesus at the same time, they became a part of a local church. 
And he's writing to them about their relationship with the leaders, with those in authority. And he says, I want you to have confidence in them and I want you to submit to their authority. Now, again, that word just kind of makes us quiver, doesn't it? Some of you just did that instinctively before I said that, you know. Why is that? Why is that? Because that issue of submission to authority has been abused in your life. We talk about this all the time at CCC, that submission is a voluntary choice. And when you are forced into something that you don't choose based on your own will, that that is abuse. And sadly, leaders who God has designed to protect and to provide and to guide and to instruct have taken advantage of those positions in your life in some way. And so, of course, why would you be willing to submit to authority when you've only seen authority misuse that power and that authority in your life? But what the writer of Hebrews invites you to do, it invites you to consider submitting to an authority. That simply means you place yourself underneath of it. Doesn't mean blind allegiance, doesn't mean drinking the Kool-Aid, but it means that when they say, this is the direction we believe God wants us to go, after, consider, after discussing that together, that you say, we're all in and we're going to follow. But notice what he then says. He says, the reason for this is because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. And that phrase there is a phrase that, for our pastors and our elders, gives us a sense of weight. I can't describe it to you. I can't quantify it. I can't measure it in any way. But if you're part of a church community where you have leaders that are doing what God's called them to do, they feel a sense of weight for, in some places, it says, your souls. And so who are the ones that we're supposed to keep watch over? Every person that comes through the door? There's over 500 people that call our church their home. Some people are here this morning for the first time. Um, Who is it that we're supposed to keep watch over? As much as we want to do that for everyone, we can't physically, humanly do that. And so we've said that our first priority has to be those who are members, those who have been committed, who said they're all in. And so it helps us know what our first priority, not our only, but our first priority needs to be. I love this last phrase. We should have this on the front of our office building. Do this so that your work will be, their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So I wish we should put that on the front of our office door, but... uh, No, we love what we do and we love the opportunity that we have to lead. But the writer of Hebrews says, you have a responsibility and they have a responsibility. This is what you're each supposed to do. And so it helps us as leaders know who that church community is that we have to give our first priority to. You know, there's another part of this knowing who those individuals are because as shepherds, we're called to feed and to lead and to protect And one of the things that happens in our lives is there are times when we wander, just like sheep do. We wander astray. And we make choices and decisions in our lives that sometimes sin deceives us. It blinds us and we can't see what we're doing. And we make sinful choices and decisions. And what Jesus instructed his followers, he says, when that happens and you go to someone, a brother or sister, and you you point out what's happened, and if they don't hear you, you bring a couple of others, and if you don't, they don't hear you, then you have to bring the church leaders to speak into those people's lives. And we've said the people that we're going to do that to are the ones who are members. Not because we want to lord it over them, not because we want to point out things in their lives, but because it's our desire to protect them 
when they drift and when they wander. Another reason for a formal membership is it allows the leadership to know who they can count on, who they can count on, who's said that they're all in. You know, when a coach is drawing up a play and he needs a player to do a certain task that maybe nobody else on the team, he's like, who can I have run this specific play? Does the coach look to the fans in the stands and say, maybe I should bring someone out of the stands to run that play? Is that what the coach does? No, the coach doesn't do that. Does the coach say, what about that hot dog? I bet you that hot dog vendor could run this play. Is that who he goes to? No. How about the announcer, the, the PA? And does he go to the PA? No, he doesn't go to the PA announcer. Who does he go to when he needs a player, to someone to run a specific play? I just gave it away. He picks one of his players, someone on his team, someone on his team. And what membership does is membership lets us know who those individuals are that have said we're all in. We're all in. And those are the individuals that when our church is making big decisions, we go to them for input. When our church is talking about where we're going to go, we communicate that to our members initially. That when votes are coming about big decisions, our members get a voice and a vote in those areas. And so it helps us know who those individuals are that we can count on. Just like in any relationship that you commit to, any team that you're a part of, there's some benefits, isn't there? You know, you say you're going to be a part of a team, what, is, what do you get? You get the camaraderie, you get the, you get the teamwork, the accomplishment, sometimes the victory, sometimes great celebrations if you win something significant. And so in the same way, when we make the commitment to be a part of a church, to be a member, to say, I'm all in, there's some benefits, some things that will come your direction as a result of that. One of the things that we've had to wrestle with as a staff, as our church has grown, is how do we make sure that the church gets cared for? How do we make sure the church gets cared for? Unfortunately, there's three of us, and we can't care for everybody as much as our hearts would long to do that. And we've said, we're going to make sure everyone gets cared for. So how do, we, how, how do we try to make sure everyone gets cared for? Well, you know, when you're on an airplane and they tell you that these instructions that everybody ignores, you know, if, if, there, if there were the, pressure, the, uh, the cabin would um, destabilize and air pressure would go down, what do they tell you to do if you're there with a parent with a child? What do they tell you to do first? Put your mask on first, right? And then you can take care of what? Someone else. And so as a staff, we've had to decide who do we take care of first so that they can take care of others. And for us, we've said that's going to be our members. We're going to take care of them first, and then hopefully we'll be able to help take care of others with the support of our small group leaders who help take care of people in their groups, with the support of our care team that we recently put together that help take care of people in our church. Because we want to make sure everybody gets cared for, even if we can't do that ourselves. But we've had to decide where do we put that priority attention so that we can care for others as well. Here's another one. It opens the door for leadership. Some of you, God is wired to lead. And we're going to talk about this in a couple weeks on Father's Day. Um, you have this unique capacity to look down the road, to see the forest through the trees. And so when we are looking for individuals to lead in other parts of our ministry, we look first to our members and we tap them on the shoulder as well. And lastly, the last thing that I've mentioned here is it just gives you a voice and a vote. Um, one of the benefits of that experience is when we have decisions and input, we go to our members first and we seek that out from them. Again, not motivating factors for us to do that first, but some benefits that come along the way. And so I want to ask you this question this morning. If you have not taken that step and you're a part of our church community, 
and you're in a small group, you're serving somewhere, you've gone public with your faith, what is keeping you from taking that next step of being baptized? Uh, excuse me, of, of becoming a member. What's taking you, keeping you from doing that? Maybe it's one of the things that I mentioned this morning. Maybe it's uh, abusive leadership that you've experienced. Maybe it's um, struggling with authority. Maybe just wanting to be a lone ranger. But I want to challenge you and to ask yourself, what's keeping me from taking that step? Maybe it's just more information. and We've got a membership class coming up to help you to take that step. But I want everybody to do, to, to participate in just assessing where you're at. So in order to do that, I want everyone to take out that connection card. If you haven't already, pull it out of the seat pocket in front of you. Everybody grab one of those. Um, grab one of those. There's a pen there. Grab one of the pens. If you haven't already filled one out, just write your name on the front. And then either on the front or the back, I want to give you a, a number to put based on where you're at on this issue of membership. Where you're at. Okay? So everybody got your communication cards. Write your name on the front. And so here's five different places you might be at this morning. The first place is, I, I'm a member. So you just put a number one. Sorry, numbers kind of slid off there. Just put a number one on that card. If you're already a member at CCC, just write a number one on your card. Okay? Maybe you've gone to membership class and somehow whatever's supposed to happen after that just got lost. The busyness of life, kids' sports schedules, the piles of paperwork, it got lost. And so you know you need to do something next, but you kind of misplace that. So you want to become a member, you just have to take that next step of filling something out and getting it back to us. So that's number two. Number three is you're, you said, John, you've I want to take that next step. I'm doing the things you talked about. I want to take that next step. So I want to attend the next membership class. So you just put a number three um, on your sheet there. Put a number three. And that'll be June 26th, two with three weeks from today. If you can't make it then, we'll let you know when the next ones are coming up and they come up regularly. How about number four? I have some questions and I'd like to talk with one of the pastors about it. Maybe you, you want to become a member. You have a desire, but there's something that's in the, in the way of that. And, and you just need to have a conversation. Um, and again, our, our goal is not to convince you of it because we believe that this is a step just like each one of these steps that God's Spirit needs to guide you. God's Spirit needs to give you a nudge. And you say, because God's nudging me to become a part and commit myself to this local community, I want to join with them. But there's something in the way of that. And you want to talk it. And we'd love to just talk with you about that. And maybe number five is, I have some concerns and I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And, and maybe you even want to feel free to write those down. We won't follow up with you or hound you about them, but you say, I'm, I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. One of the things you'll discover here at CCC is we will always encourage you to be taking the next step when God's Spirit guides you and we can walk with you. It has to be something God is moving you, not us, because we want God to be the one leading and directing in your life all week long not just when you're around us here at CCC. And so if we can go back to that previous slide, just want to scroll down through those again as you had a chance to think about, number one, I am a member. Number two, just need that paperwork again. Number three, I want to attend. Number four, I want to talk to someone about it. And number five, I'm just not ready. And uh, we just want to encourage you to think intentionally about where you're at in this step. And say, John, does being a member or not being a member, does... Does the church look differently at people that are at that place? It simply helps us know who said they're committed and who's made that step of being all in. 
And it's our hope and prayer that you would be willing to take that step and that God would move you towards that. As we close this morning, I want to invite you